The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Keeper Cut Podcast. I am your host, Chad Young. I am not being joined this week by Pete Ball. You've got me solo. I tried this once before this season. I think it went okay. Hopefully you thought it went okay too, because I'm doing it again. If you didn't think it went okay, feel free to turn this one off. Wait for me to have Pete back next week. He will be back next week. But in the meantime, I do want to talk to you, try to make it a relatively short episode. What we're going to talk about today is some players whose April is throwing off their season line. And so what I did is I took every player who had 300 more or more plate appearances on the season and every player who had 250 or more plate appearances since May 1st and compared their full season WOBA to their since May 1st WOBA and looked at the difference. Basically... Who are the players who, when you look at their full season line, what they've done since May looks a lot different. And the reason I'm doing this is because those full season lines tend to have outsized influence on a bunch of things. Maybe not outsized. They have a lot of influence. And it makes sense to look at a full season. But in some cases, an outsized impact from April can completely throw off what you expect from a player going forward. And that can happen in a couple of ways. One is you're trying to figure out what you're doing for the rest of this season. You're looking at building out your team for the last round of the playoffs. You're still alive for the stretch run in a roto or season long points league. Or you're starting to think about keepers for the offseason. Who are you going to keep? Who are you going to try to shop? Who, who do people expect you to keep that you maybe should move on from? And, and also, what guys should you be trading for, right? So especially in auto new leagues, leagues like that, there's a lot of offseason trading that happens. It's a big part of how you can build for the season. And so you got to start to think about, how am I going to do that? What is this? What's a trade going to look like? Who am I going to try to move on from? The other area in auto new where this can have a real impact is arbitration. When the arbitration process starts, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next couple of weeks, when the arbitration process starts in auto new and managers start assigning dollars to players on other teams, they often look at those season long stats. And so in some of these cases, guys get hit with arbitration based on an overall season performance that maybe doesn't really deserve it if you just cut out that March and April performance. Or guys dodge arbitration when they should get it because they're weighed down by a bad March and April. So like I said, I looked at full season WOBA versus their since May 1st WOBA. Basically just took the difference, sorted largest, smallest. And so what we're going to do is look at some guys who are just 
their season-long lines look really different than what they've done for most of the season. Since I want to end on a positive note, talking about the, the, the impressive players who have turned things around, we're going to start by talking about guys who have fallen off quite a bit since May 1st. So I'm going to start off by just reading to you the top 10 names. I'm not going to give you all their numbers to start. I'll go back and do that. But the top 10 names, the guys whose since May 1st lines are the largest drop-off compared to their overall line. This is, again, looking at Woba. Carson Kelly, Nick Solak, J.D. Martinez, Corey Dickerson, Ronald Acuna Jr., Yadier Molina, Jazz Chisholm, Guillermo Heredia, Omar Narvaez, and Asdrubal Cabrera. Those are the 10 guys whose overall season WOBA is at least 20 points higher than what they've done since May 1st. Now, some of those names, there's not a lot to talk about here. Right? As Drupal Cabrera went from a 296 to a 276, that is a non-fantasy-worthy line to a even less fantasy-worthy line. Not a lot to talk about. Guillermo Heredia, not a guy who's on your radar, also went from about a 296 down to 275. Yadier Molina went from a 294 to 271. Again, at no point, like his, his season long line doesn't look good. You're not looking at him and thinking, oh man, maybe this is my you know long-term catcher. Corey Dickerson with a 309 in the season, just a 284 since May 1st, but again, not a guy that you're really looking at either way. And the last of the sort of they were never good enough, so what difference does it make? Is is Nick Solak. And this one's a little frustrating to me because I'm I'm a Nick Solak fan, or I have been. And I've been waiting for him to really become a, a force. And he just he just hasn't. And he started the season pretty well. And it really hasn't gone well since then. So if you look at his full season, his full season, he has a 296 Woba. That's the same as Kermo Heredia. It's the same as his Drupal Cabrera. I have no idea what is causing guys with a 296 season-long Woba to be bad or worse, I guess I should say. That was already bad to be worse since May 1st. But Solak, you know, there were such high hopes for him. And so many, I mean, I, I talk about like, oh, I was really high on him. I, that doesn't make me special. There were a lot of people who were high on Nick Solak. 390 Woba in March and April. And when you look back at it, it's a 367 BAPIP doing a lot of heavy lifting. There's a 35% home run per fly ball rate doing a lot of heavy lifting. And since May 1st, he's got a 267 Woba. Big, big fall off. Now, some of that again, some of that's the, the BABIP. BABIP has dipped down on the season from that height in March and April. It's it's now at a 286 for the season. So he's actually been pretty bad from a BABIP perspective, which means maybe there's some positive regression left there. He's also been a little bit better overall in the second half. So in the second half, He's at a 317 Woba. Now, the problem is 317 is still not really good enough. That you're, you're not buying on a 317 Woba. His best month was actually not March and April, though. It was August. And in August, he had a 441 Woba. The problem is it was 39 plate appearances, and he did not sustain it, not even a little bit. He's got a 267 Woba so far in September. That's leading to that 317 for the second half. I don't know. He He's so far, what we've seen from him this season is when he can carry a high BAPIP. It's what he did in March and April. He did it again, the exact same 367 in August. He produces. And when he doesn't, he can't. 
I don't know if that'll sustain. I don't know if that's continuously going to be his problem. There are some really interesting signs in his second half, a 7.7% walk rate versus a 12.8% strikeout rate. If he can maintain that, that's pretty interesting. But he's got to hit for some power. His second half home run per fly ball rate is only 7.7%. Those months where he was strong, those two good months, April and August, 35% home run per fly ball rate in April, 22.2% in August. Again, not entirely sure what's driving that. Would have to go back and look a little bit deeper. The reality is you're not keeping Solak. You're not going to be able to sell high on him this offseason. If anything, he's a guy who, you know, maybe there's something else going on there. People are going to start talking about buying low, but just not a lot going on there. At the other end of the spectrum, there's another guy who doesn't need a lot to talk about. That's Ronald Acuna Jr. He had a 412 Woba for the season. Since May 1st, it is 387. Now, that is the fifth largest drop-off. It's also not something you're worried about. 387 Woba, if that's all he gives you, quote-unquote, all he gives you next year, you'll be fine with that. That isn't a problem. It doesn't really change his keeper value much. Now, there are other reasons to be worried about him with the injury, but this is not something. I'm not looking at him going, man, he really fell off after you know a strong April. He did. It's true, but it's not something I'm, I'm super worried about. So let's look at some of the names who might be more interesting to talk about this offseason from this list. At the very top, the largest drop, a 50-point Woba drop. Carson Kelly had a 331 Woba for the year. It is down to 281 since May 1st. If you go back and look at what he did in March and April, a 498 Woba. That is very much driven or helped, I guess I should say, not driven, but helped by a 30% home run per fly ball rate. But he also, for that one month, had a 20.5% walk rate, a 13.7% K rate. He was walking 50% more than he was striking out. That is a huge, huge boost to any player. It's also not something we've really seen from him. He hasn't done that again in any month this year. If you look at his career numbers, he's got an 11.2% walk rate and a 20.4% strikeout rate. That's much closer to actually where he's ended up for the season. He's currently at 13.6% for the season, 20.3% strikeout rate. I look at him and I think he is probably better than what he's done since May 1st, but he's not as good as he is for the season even. I think that 331 Woba, and 331 isn't, you know, it's no great shakes, but it's pretty good for a catcher. And I think when you look at him among fantasy catchers, and there's a lot of people who are pretty high on him going into the season, and he, he seemed to be, he just came out strong. And so those who weren't high on him were buying him up where they could early in the year. And a 331 Woba for a catcher, I mean, that's that's a top 10 number, right? Among catchers with 300 plus plate appearances, he is ninth, just behind JT Real Muto at 337 and ahead of Elias Diaz at 330. I don't think he's going to maintain that, though. I think he'll be closer to a 315 to 320, and that starts to push him in more like the 15th best catcher, maybe down even lower. And that's not good enough, right? I mean, in two catcher leagues, It'll play in our new leagues where you where you're going to carry a backup catcher. It'll play, but I'm not. I don't know. I'm not excited about him. He's not a guy that I'm. I'm. He's not a guy I'm going to be buying a lot next year because I think his price will be inflated because I think people will look at his season long line and think he's better than he's been. So I'm going to be. I'm probably going to be out on him. Where I do have him, there are a couple places I still have him. I'll probably look to trade him this offseason if I can. Uh, catchers are hard to trade in the offseason. Nobody really wants to spend except on elite catchers. And so maybe there's nothing I can do there. 
but I will be shopping him where I can. So let's move on to a guy who came out of the gate like absolute gangbusters after a really, really rough 2020. And that is J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez came out and started the year by just going absolutely bonkers. He had three home runs in a game on April 11th. By the time that game ended, and we're, you know, we're talking a real small sample size at this point, right? But those first 10 days of the season, he had a 645 Woba, a 317 WRC plus, just absolutely destroying the baseball since then. So we're not even now talking since May 1st. We're now talking since April 13th. He's down to a 343 Woba. If you look at it since May 1st, that number is 336. Now, this isn't bad. That's a totally fine hitter, but it's, you know, it's not great for a DH or a util only guy in fantasy. It is not what you're hoping for when you pay the big bucks for a guy like JD Martinez. And this is a case where his season long Woba is a 363. And so you start to look at like major league leaders and he pops up there, not, you know, at the very tip top, but his Woba is the 32nd best among qualified hitters. So you're talking about a guy who from a fantasy perspective is looking like a pretty easy top 50 hitter bordering on a top 30 hitter when you look at his overall line. But since May 1st, I mean, if he had that 336 line for the whole season, 336, all of a sudden you're talking about a guy who's outside the top 50, he's outside the top 60, he's right around the top 75. And that's a very different place to be for a guy who does not play a premium position. For those of you in five by five leagues, he doesn't steal you any bases. I don't know. Now, you you know, he had all of the other issues last year, but you start to look at what he's done since the start of 2020 and even since late in 2019, and it's pretty ugly. And so I was pretty out on J.D. Martinez coming into the year. It looked like a really bad call for about a week and a half. But since then, he just hasn't been special. He hasn't done what we what you expect J.D. Martinez to do when you pay big bucks for J.D. Martinez. And so I'm, I'm out on him again. If I had him anywhere, which I don't, I'd be trading him. He will not be getting arbitration dollars from me. I just think he's sort of done, which is unfortunate. I mean, he got such a late start because it took him a while to sort of figure out his swing and to get the real, real opportunities. And he's been so, so good. But because of that late start, you know, he just turned 34 last month. He's not young. And I am not sure that he's got a whole lot left. I am super interested to see what happens because he has the option to opt out of his deal after this season. I don't know if he's going to do that. His overall numbers look pretty good, but uh, man, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. You know, you look at what he's what he's done and like his walk rate is a little bit lower than it was during his terrible 2020 his strikeout rate is a little bit lower than it was. His BAPIP has bounced back, which is great, but his home run per fly ball rate of 15.5% on the year is still way down from where he was at his peak. Right? He was putting up 33.8%, 29.5%, 23.4%, 2017 to 2019. That 15.5%, not good enough. It's just not good enough. His exit velocity is back up where it was, but people's exit velocity was going up this year. So I'm not sure that that 
gives me a lot of confidence or a lot of reason to be excited about him. On the other hand, his ex-WOBA on the season is is pretty good. It's a 370 versus his 363 actual WOBA. So maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I am more than willing to admit that I, I could be very wrong on him. But what I see is a guy who absolutely tore the cover off the ball for two weeks, not even two weeks, and since then has been pedestrian, at least for a DH. Right? I mean, I think that's that's a fair point to make is like, 343 Wobo, 114 WRC plus since April 13th. That's not bad. It's just not great. And it's it is worth rostering, but it is not going to win you your league. And that's sort of what I'm concerned about here is I feel like people are going to pay for him to be something he's not. And I'm out. I'm going to be out on him. And I think you should be too. Two more names in this list I want to talk about. Jazz Chisholm. Another guy who just came out like gangbusters. He's not a guy I was super excited about. And so, you know, I wanted Solak to perform well. And he was a guy I was buying in on in the, before the season. And while others were buying in Chisholm, I, was, I wasn't. I mean, I look at his minor league numbers and there's too many strikeouts. Right? He, his, in, in 2019, he had a 33.8% strikeout rate with Arizona before he went to Miami. And there it went down to 255 then we didn't really see him much in 2020. He got 62 total plate appearances, but again, a 30.6% strikeout rate. He did not hit the ball particularly hard in 2020, an 87.1 exit velocity, a max exit velocity of 106.2. And then he came out this year, and things have looked in some ways much better, uh, at least early on. right? And if you go back to what he was doing really up through the end of April and, and into the start of when he returned from injury, right? His first couple of games back from injury, he missed a couple of weeks in, in early May. And when he came back, he, he started off pretty well. And so as of May 18th, right? So look at now at mid-May, he had a 417 Woba. He had a 91.2 exit velocity, a 440 BAPIP. That 440 BAPIP, super scary, but he was still striking out 30.9% of the time which is an awful lot. Then starting on May 19th through all, you know, almost the end of the season now, his exit velocity is down to 89.9. His strikeout rate is still at 28.9%. He's only walking 5.7% of the time and he's got a 286 Woba. There are things to like. He's still, you know, in that 353 plate appearances since things turned sour, he's got 10 home runs and 11 stolen bases. He's also been caught stealing seven times. So, now you got a guy who is not hitting the ball as hard as it looked like he could. The league seems to have caught up to him a little bit. He still steals bases, but his stolen base rate is so low that I have to imagine the Marlins at some point are going to tell him to just plant himself on first base and wait for someone to knock him around because he's not stealing bases effectively at all. And that, I mean, that rate is just, that's terrible. Like you, you should literally never steal a base. If you're going to steal successfully that rarely there's almost no situation you should be running so i worry that's going to dry up i don't think he's got enough offense i think he's got to make some adjustments we'll see maybe he comes back after the offseason has made those adjustments but man i'm dubious his overall line in the season isn't great that 314 woba isn't setting the world on fire but i think he is going to attract some attention in the offseason i think he will attract some arbitration i think he will be a trade target because 
He's an exciting player. He's a fun player. I really like watching Jazz Chisholm play. I just don't think he's actually that good, and I don't think he's that fantasy valuable. And so if I could trade him, I would. I'm still a fan. I still hope he does well. I'll still enjoy watching him, but he's not going to be on my teams. The last name on here, Omar Narvaez. Narvaez for the season has a 339 Woba. We talked about with Carson Kelly. That's enough to make you a top 10 catcher. That's pretty good. He's got a 319 Woba, though, since May 1st. That's still good. And, and I think when you look at Narvaez, you know, this is a guy who you go back to 2017, really, right? He had 295 plate appearances that year. It's the first year he had more than 115, 117. He had 117 in 2016. 2017, he gets his first real shot to play some extended time, 321 Woba. Then a 348 and a 345 the next two seasons. Last year was bad at 262. Now he's back up at a 339. Now, like I said, it's only been 319 since May 1st. That does cause me some concern. That is, I think, a, a very valid reason to be worried about what he can do going forward. But there's some real pedigree there. And I think even if that 339 isn't realistic, even if he can't get back to the 345, 348 he did in 2018, 2019, I do think that he can post something in, let's say, the 320 to 330 range. And that's a viable catcher. That's a step above where we're talking about Carson Kelly being in the 310 to 320 range. Not a star. I don't think he's going to return to what he was doing before. But I'm interested in Narvaez. I would sell high if I thought I could sell high. My guess is you can't. What I'm really thinking I'm going to do with Narvaez is wait until the offseason or to offseason auctions. And he's a guy I might buy in, in drafts and auctions next year when I start to look at the cheap catchers, because I think he'll probably still fall in that category of cheap catchers. So those are the guys who have sort of the biggest drops. A few other names who have had drops. Chris Bryant went from 368 to 349. He's been a 374, though, in the second half. So what, you know, Bryant went through a, a down stretch, but he does seem to be back and performing. Brandon Nimmo went from a 376 for the full season to a 358 since May 1st. He's back up to 368 in the second half. Nimmo's got to find his power. He, he completely lost it this year. He gets on base at a, a super high rate. So if you're in an on-base league, if you're in a league where doubles, extra base hits have value, I'm all over Nimmo. I'm going to be buying in on him quite a bit next year. Buster Posey has dropped off since a hot start. Cattell Marte dropped off since a hot start, but they're both still doing very, very well. Those are just some of the other names that are in that top 20 of the biggest drops. So now let's flip it around. Let's look at some of the names who have risen the most. Guys whose overall season lines don't reflect just how good they've been since May 1st. The top 10 names are actually a little more. We're going to go through 14 names here quickly because these are the 14 guys who have a 21-point increase. I, so I should say it's not a, it's not really an increase. It is a 21 point higher WOBA since May 1st than they have on the season overall. Those guys are Yasmani Grandal, Kyle Tucker, Willie Adamas, Ryan Mountcastle, Elias Diaz, Paul Goldschmidt, Jorge Polanco, Joshua Fuentes, Kyle Schwarber, Avisail Garcia, Rowdy Tellez, Gavin Lux, Elvis Andrews, and Ian Happ. So Looking at that, again, there are some names we don't need to talk a ton about. Uh, Yasmani Grandal went from a 400 to a 437. Those are both incredible. He has just been very, very good. If you're in an on-base league in particular, if you're not in base league, he's been the best catcher out there. Easily, no questions asked. 
and he probably will be again next year. I think he's just that good. Kyle Tucker went from a 379 to a 410. This is like the opposite of a Ronald Acuna. Acuna went from the 412 to 389. Tucker's overall season line is not bad enough to change anyone's mind about him. He got off to a slow start. He has been incredible since then. He has a 430 second half Woba. Uh, the guy's a star. He just is. See, a couple other names or a couple others I didn't think. Joshua Fuentes, who I mentioned, went from a 261 to a 283. Don't think anyone's buying him in either case. And then Elvis Andrews is the other. 269 to a 290. Just not a lot to talk about there. So the others here, there is something to talk about, and it's worth sort of getting through them. We'll start with Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas is a 353 on the season. He is 380 since May 1st. Willie Adamas, I don't think there's any any surprises here. Everyone knows that he has turned things around since he got to Milwaukee. I don't think people have necessarily realized how much he's turned things around or how different his season looks if you only look at him since he got to Milwaukee. Now, we've been talking since May 1st. He didn't get to Milwaukee till May 22nd. So let's take a quick look at what he's done since he got to Milwaukee because as good as that 380 Woba since May 1st is, he's at 385 since he got to Milwaukee. And there's a high BAPIP with that. There's a 366 BAPIP. So there's reason to believe that's going to come down, but I am all in on Willie Adamas. And while I don't think that he's going to maintain necessarily a 380, 385 Woba, I do think that 353 might be selling him a little bit short. Tampa was clearly causing problems for him, whether it was the park or something else going on there. I'm all in on Willie Adamas. If you have him, I am not selling high on him. If other people in your leagues have him, especially you know in other new leagues, I'm putting ARB on him. If somebody wants to trade him, I would I would buy high. I, I think that he's going to be really good. Next guy, Ryan Mountcastle. He's got a 340 Woba on the season. So Mountcastle is a really interesting guy where a 340 Woba is, is good. It's not great, but it's very good. And it, it there's some real reason to be excited. People were very excited about him. I was one of them coming into the season. That 340 Woba, though, I think is, you know, outfield, first base kind of guys. He's not setting the world on fire. It's a 366 since May 1st and a 372 in the second half. And those numbers are very good and very interesting, right? I mean, I think you get a very different conversation if I tell you that Ryan Mountcastle has a 372 in the second half and Kyle Tucker has a 379 on the season, right? It starts to make them sound like they're kind of close together. Now I'm, I'm cherry picking there to make Mountcastle look good, but Mountcastle's still young. He only had 140 plate appearances last year and was very good in those plate appearances. He's now got 670 career plate appearances with 348 Woba, but it's really just a weak stretch to start this season that pulls that down. He was 377 last year and he's been well above 360 since for most of this season. And so you go back and you look and it's like, okay, well, he had a 224 in April and a 313 in May. And since then, I mean, it, you know, it hasn't been perfect, but 426 in June, 280 in July, 479 in August, 318 so far in September. Like I said, that 372 in the second half. I'm very curious to see if there are some Mountcastle managers who look at his overall numbers in the offseason, see that 340 Woba and the production that represents and want to sell or get out of the Ryan Mountcastle business. Because if they do, I'm in. I, I'm a I'm I'm all in on Mountcastle. I was excited about him before the year. He's made some nice strides this year. If you look at his walk rate 
It was 6.1% in the first half. It's going up to 7.9% in the second half. His strikeout rate was 28.7% in the first half. It is down to 25.2% in the second half. This is not BAPIP driven. He had a 320 BAPIP over the first half, 277 over the second half. Neither of those numbers are numbers that are going to cause you a bunch of concern one way or the other. I'm in. I think Ryan Mountcastle is a legit fantasy player. I think he's going to bring a lot of value to his managers next year. He's got 30 home runs now, and I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be looking to pry him away from managers in the offseason if I can. Next guy on this list, Elias Diaz, 3.30 woba on the season. Again, for a catcher, that's you know that's good. He's been 3.54 since May 1st, and that is obviously even better. <laughs> now, Diaz, he's in Colorado. You know, 330, which we think of as league average, once you adjust to the league, 92 WRC plus, that is that is not as good. <laughs> Clearly, it's not as good. If you look at his since May 1st numbers with that 354 Woba, it's still just a 108. Here's the thing, though. From a fantasy perspective, I don't care about park-adjusted numbers, right? Like, Diaz gets to play in that park. So the fact that his numbers aren't as impressive as they should be doesn't change the fact that it's a home run, it's a home run. It just is. You get to count it just the same. It doesn't get discounted because it's a cores. Now, what does get discounted is his overall value because he has a 375 Woba at home and a 292 on the road. This isn't anything new for Rockies players. We're all aware of this. Uh, he is a guy who in two catcher leagues, I'm a little worried. I would probably use him because at some point, if you need two catchers, you're going to run out of good options. But in auto new leagues or in leagues where you carry two catchers but only need to start one, he is a must start when he's at home. If he's available in your leagues now, I would get him for the stretch run. The Rockies are about to start a homestand. And then next year, I'd be looking at him as, a, as part of a catcher platoon where he's starting his home games because he's just really, really good. He may be a perfect guy to pair with someone like a Narvaez or a Carson Kelly we talked about before where you can count on solid, if not a, you know not great production out of those two, get one of them to be solid half the time and Diaz to be a star the other half, and you got yourself a really good catcher. Next guy on this list, Paul Goldschmidt. There may not actually be a ton to talk about with Goldschmidt. He had a little bit of a slow start. We had talked him up a lot on this podcast. We were big fans of Goldschmidt. Slow start. He has had a 387 Woba since May 1st. That brings his season line up to 365. He's at a 413 for the second half. Paul Goldschmidt is really good. This shouldn't be news to anybody. He's been good for a long time. The fact that he was, you know, not great, I guess I would say in 2019, he sold a 346 Woba, but not great. It's been really good other than that, right? 400 in 2017, 390 in 2018, 387 in 2020. This year, like I said, 365. But again, that's a 387 since May 1st, which looks exactly where he was last year. Looks right in line with where he was his last couple of years in Arizona. He is walking a good amount. He is keeping his strikeout rates down. Last year, he brought a strikeout rate down all the way to 18.6%. That was a career low. His 20% this year is the next best of his career. He isn't walking quite as much this year, only 10.1% after being up to 16% last year. But these are still very good plate discipline numbers. And if you look at what he's done since May 1st, he's walking 11.1% of the time and striking out just 18.8% of the time. So he's doing even better than he is for the season as a whole, which you'd expect. He That strikeout rate is down right near where it was last year. The walk rate, 
is not going to go back up to 16% like it was last year. But if I look at its projections for next year, Zips has them, or sorry, for the rest of this season, Zips has them as a 356 Woba for the rest of the season, Steamer a 358. They're projecting those strikeout rate to rise back up to 22%. I don't think it's going to happen. I think his strikeout rate is going to be in the high teens down to up to maybe 20. And if that's true and he continues to walk 11% of the time, that's going to, that 356, 358, that's going to understate his Woba moving forward. He doesn't have as much speed as he did in the past. But this year, if you add him in a 5x5, five five, 26 home runs, 12 stolen bases, 88 runs and 87 RBIs with a 288 average. So I'm all over him. You know, on base leagues, he's because of that walk rate and the low strikeout rate. He's got a 361 on base percentage this year. Another guy who, if people are sleeping on him a little bit, if people are looking at his overall line and seeing some drop off, from where he was last year, uh, I would take that chance to buy. Jorge Polanco, this is another guy who I really liked and was super frustrated with early this season. He was hurt last year, had an ankle issue, and it really slowed him down. And it led to just an awful year from a 289 Woba, the lowest of his career. And that was after he had finally broken out with a 352 in 2019 and really looked great. He's at a 359. So his season line this year is a 359 Woba which would be even better. It'd be a career high. He In eight plate appearances in 2014, he did better than that, but that's eight plate appearances. But that 359 would be a career high, better than his breakout 2019. He has also got more home runs. He's up to 31 home runs already. He's got more stolen bases. He's got 10 stolen bases. He is going to end up with a lot more RBIs. He's got 90, only at 79 in 2019. He's going to end up with fewer runs, it seems. But he has turned into a, a run producer for this team. And again, you look at those numbers since May 1st, they're even better. right? So since May 1st, instead of a 359 Woba, he's got a 381 Woba. He's got 30 of his home runs. 30, 31 home runs since he's got 30 of them since May 1st. He is just crushing the ball now. He is turning himself into one of the top middle infielders in fantasy baseball. And... I think people are still sleeping on a little bit. I think that cold stretch at the start of this season, plus the bad last year, has some people sort of questioning if he's really as good as he seems like he is. I think he is. I think he's just that good. I don't know how easy he'll be to buy low. I don't think he'll be able to buy low. I don't know how easy he'll be able to buy at all in the offseason. But if I can get him, if he's available places, I will go pick him up. I absolutely will couple more names still we want to go through. I'm going to try to move a little bit quicker through some of these because I thought this would be a quick episode, but we're at 35 minutes and, and counting. So maybe we're not going to be quick. Kyle Schwarber went from a 380 for the overall season. He's got a 401 Woba since May 1st. It's 379 in the second half, which looks more like his overall season line. Nothing's changing here, right? That no one's looking at 380 and selling low. That 401 doesn't change things. Like he's just been a star. He really, he's just been great. Avisael Garcia, 352 for the season, but he's been 373 since May 1st and 392 in the second half. Garcia is a guy who, I, honestly, I have never been a big Avisael Garcia fan. I probably should change that. I need to look into him a bit more. If you go all the way back to February on Pitcher List, there's an article by Anders Jorstad called It's Time to Buy Into Avisael Garcia. He said he's poised to surprise many in 2021. I recommend the article. I'm not going to go into a lot more detail because 
Anders does a better job than I do. <laughs> it's, it's a good piece. It's got a lot of great information. It got me looking at Garcia going into the season. I ended up not pulling the trigger on Garcia in any of my drafts. And I regret that now pretty significantly because he's been excellent. Rowdy Tellez, 303 Wobe on the season, not very good. 324 since May 1st and 344 in the second half. Now, this is pretty interesting because Tellez is another guy who a lot of people were excited about. We know what he's capable of doing with the bat. Just didn't come together, and it didn't come together to the point that the Jays just straight up moved on. And he ended up in Milwaukee, and, and he's been, like I said, a lot better since he moved on. Second half, Woba, 344, very good. It's driven a lot by, though, stuff he did in July. He had a 457 Woba in July, then 292 in August, 254 in September. He's only got two months this year, July and May, where he had a 343, where he's over 300 Woba. So I still don't know what to make of Rowdy Tellez. I don't think I'm buying him in the offseason. I've been cutting him now because he's been so bad in August and September, and I need to move on and, and get guys who can help me win now. I need to take a closer look at him in the offseason. I probably will. I don't know where he's going to be playing next year because I'm not entirely sure it's going to be in Milwaukee. He's still only 26, and he's still showing these flashes of just being so, so good. I think because of his overall line, He's going to end up cut basically everywhere. I don't think anyone's going to keep him. But that 344 second half, even if it's driven just by a couple weeks in July, is a reminder of what he's capable of. And so he's worth looking at. But yeah, I, I think, you know, I started off by this by thinking I was going to maybe say, oh, you'll you know, look at him in the spring. I think he's more of a watch list guy for me. I think he's a guy who I'm probably going to pass on in drafts, maybe. You know, in deeper leagues and other new leagues, maybe he's an end of the roster kind of guy and see what he does. I, I don't know. I hope he lands somewhere where he can get full-time play time because he's he's capable. He is capable of being an excellent fantasy player, an excellent baseball player. Just haven't seen it, at least not consistently. Next guy on the list is Gavin Lux. Lux has a 295 Wobe on the season. Very disappointing. It's only 316 since May. That is also still very disappointing. Just keep waiting for Lux to, to be the star that it looked like he was going to be. He did hit a home run today. I'm recording this on Sunday the 19th. He had three hits to go along with that home run. Pretty good day at the plate for him, which is, is great to see. But he just hasn't been able to get consistent playing time, to get consistent production. But this September... This is where we, maybe maybe we're seeing the beginning of something here. He does have a 453 Woba before that big day on Sunday, a 453 Woba in September. It's only 25 plate appearances. He's now up to 29 plate appearances after Sunday, so it's going to look a little better than that. I, I don't know. I, you just It's a question of whether or not you, you buy into his ability to do two things. One, consistently perform the way he has over his last 30 plate appearances. And two, have a full-time job. And we're, we'll see what the Dodgers do in the offseason. But, I mean, Lux, even in this hot September, you know, you go back and look at what he's done. He has three plate appearances on the 10th, two on the 11th. Then he got four each in the 12th, 13th, and 14th, and 15th. Then he didn't play again until the 18th, where he had four, and he got four again on the 19th. Maybe he's going to be playing regularly now. Maybe they've finally found something with him, and they're going to let him go strong the rest of the season and 
through the postseason and he'll he'll be a hot commodity come draft time and for the offseason. But I don't know. He he's a guy that if he I'm seeing enough from him that if he has a full time job next year, he'll end up on more of my teams than he probably should. Again, it's still not, you know, 316 is still not very good, but it's showing progress and growth and the right trajectory. Maybe he can get to what he's capable of. The last name that I mentioned was Ian Happ. Ian Happ, I mean, he's a weird one because Ian Happ, it wasn't just a rough April that threw him off. Ian Happ was really bad for a really good long chunk of the season. And people had such high hopes for him this year, myself included. But you go and look, 286 Woba in March, got it up to a 410 in May, then 219 in June, 260 in July. But August and September, he's been at a 360 and a 471. He's finally, once again, showing what he's capable of. Now, there are some real concerns for me here. His second half, he is only walking 8.4% of the time and striking out 30.7% of the time. He's got a 339 BAPIP over that stretch and a 28% home run per fly ball rate. And so he's getting some batted ball luck that goes, I think, I think above and beyond what he's capable of keeping, mostly from the BAPIP. I don't think he can keep up a BAPIP like that. But the 28% home run per fly ball rate, he was at 26.2% in 2019, 27.3% in 2020. He's at 23.7% overall this year. So he's capable of doing that. And so I look at him and I think, I don't think that he's going to go back to being the 368, 369 Woba guy he was in 2019 and 2020. I do think a 340, 350-ish is very much doable for him. And that 324 on the season... You get, he's not going to be in the postseason, so he's not going to get a lot of attention there. You get into November, December, January, when people are removed from him playing well down the stretch and are looking at his overall line in the season and feeling like, man, maybe 2019 and 2020 were just the outliers. This is still a guy who strikes out a lot and maybe they're just not in on him. You can point out like his exit velocity went down this year. His the, his hard hit rate went down. Like you can get some some people who are concerned about him, and if they are, I would buy in. He is, you know, twenty seven years old. He has been very very good for all of two thousand nineteen and two thousand twenty, and for most of this year, he's been solid. And so there's cause for concern. It's not a, it's not a perfect profile by any means, but don't let the three twenty four season long woba drag you down. Because he's been much, much better than that since May 1st. A few other guys who are showing up on this list who I think are worth noting. Josh Bell has a 349 Wobe on the year. He's been 368 since May 1st and 380 in the second half. Josh Bell's probably not available in any of your leagues right now. He might be in the offseason. And if he ends the season with like a 350 Wobe, but people are going to be like, oh, that's pretty good for a first baseman, but not quite good enough. Buy. Buy in on Josh Bell. This guy is too good a hitter. I'm all in. Francisco Lindor, 316 well before the season. He has a 333 since May 1st and a 348 in the second half. He's really starting to come on of late. And he's too good a baseball player to not be a good hitter. Now, the thing with Lindor, at least for me, is a good hitter doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get back to the 368 he was at in 2018. He was a 349 in 2019, 324 last year, 316 this year. 
it looks like a really ugly downward trajectory from that 368. I think it's going to pop back up next year. I don't think it's going to get into the 360s, probably not even the 350s, maybe. But the 340s, yeah. And that's a pretty good shortstop. It's not an elite shortstop necessarily, but it's a very good shortstop. And I think that if you can buy low on him, if you can get him for a good price next year, I would. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. had a rough start. 336 Woba for the season. 353 since May 1st. 391 for the second half. I'm a big Gurriel fan. I think he's going to have a great year next year. I guess one other name, just, just worth mentioning, because we've talked about him so much on this show, and we've been such big fans of him. But Marcus Simeon, 370 Woba on the season. It's been 385 since May 1st. It's been 370 in the second half. There's not a lot to say there, except... You should have listened to us before the season and bought in a Marcus Simeon because he's been so, so good. He's helped an awful lot of my teams, and I think he has put 2020 behind him. There's a big class of shortstops and middle infielders coming up for free agency, and I think he's established himself as maybe the best. And I know that's going to rankle some some feathers and, and throw some people off because you got you know Trevor Story and Carlos Correa, Corey Seager. Even with that terrible 2020, you go back to the start of the 2019 season, you're a major league baseball leader in F4 among position players is Marcus Simeon. Not your major league leader among shortstops. Your major league leader in F4 since the start of the 2019 season is Marcus Simeon. And we will see what happens to him this offseason but I expect he is going to get paid and I expect whoever pays him will be very happy with that for at least the first few years of the deal. You know, he's 31. He gets like an eight, nine year deal. I make no promises about what he'll be at 38, 39 years old. He's 31 now. I think 31 through 35, I think he's going to keep being very good. And I'm, I'm in on Marcus Simeon still. I, I can't not be because that is, he is the man for this podcast. So with that, I hope you don't mind my rambling, another solo pod. Maybe we'll do the same thing next week, see if Pete's interested in looking at the pitcher side of things and get together and talk about some of the pitchers who have had some of the biggest changes since May 1st. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. Take a minute to leave a rating, a review. Follow us on Twitter at KeeperCut. You can follow me at Chad Young. Pete is available at PeteBBaseball. We'd love to hear from you. We want to know what you think of the show. If you got questions for us, content you want us to cover, especially with the offseason coming up, what is interesting to you? So let us know what you want to hear. Get back to us as soon as you can. We would love to cover what you want to listen to. And in the meantime, thanks for listening to this, and we will see you next week. <laughs>